We've been talking about how God is at work breaking into our everyday, ordinary lives at Christmas. The themes are familiar themes. Perhaps you've been in the church for a really long time, perhaps not. But it makes sense that the themes of Christmas are the themes that drive our faith. And those themes are simply these. Hope. Hope. It's amazing what a word from God will do to transform our lives and to transform our thinking. Just one word. Hope. Peace. Peace not in the absence of conflict or strife, but peace in the very midst of trials, tribulations, and trouble. Joy. A joy that surprises us with sunrises sun and sunsets, with the smiles of children and grandchildren, with shared meals and laughter, games played. And then last week we talked about the inbreaking love of God made known to us in the incarnate one, Jesus, Emmanuel, God, come to be with us. Today, as we sort of reflect on all of that, the question we would ask is, what do we do with all of this good news? What do we do with all of this good news? As good as Christmas is, there's something that has to go beyond Christmas. Today, I want to talk to you about beyond Christmas, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God at Christmas. To do that, I want to take a look at Paul's writings to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, uh, one of my favorite passages is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to actually reference that today as a source. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul gives us an insight into what it looks like to be one who is totally captured by the good news of Jesus. I love how he frames the capturing of the good news in 2 Corinthians, but I love Paul's writings in general. Paul wrote most of the New Testament as we understand it and is probably the apostle that is best known or maybe most well-known among people far and wide. Who is the apostle that they can name? Probably Paul. Today we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read a very lengthy passage of Scripture. And let me just encourage you, if you like, you can follow along. Today, I do not have the text on the screen behind me, and that's okay. There's a reason for that. I either want you to follow along with your Bibles. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation today. Uh, a little bit of a change. Normally, we read from the New International Version, but today, the New Living Translation, just to change it up a bit. And I want you to be free to engage the text with your imagination. One of the things I think that we do poorly in uh, reading Scripture is that we read it too flat. We, we just read it uh, in a very wooden, literal sense, and, and there's nothing wrong with that except if we just read it in a wooden, literal sense, I think we're missing out on the beauty and the joy of the transforming presence of the Spirit that's always available to us in the text. And so today... I want to invite you to breathe in and breathe out the love of God known to us in this text, and just listen along, and as you listen, let your imagination be sparked by the Spirit to receive the good news that is for us today in this text. 
2 Corinthians 4, beginning with verse 5, Paul says, You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let there be light and darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Christ. We now have this light in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. If you want to just mark, if you've got your, book, you got your Bible open, verse 8 is our memory verse. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Perhaps your translation says earthen vessels, pots of clay, dust of the earth. We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. When we talk about incorporating hope and peace and joy and love into our lives, we're talking about what it looks like to move in Christmas and beyond Christmas at the same time. The spirit of Christmas, hope, peace, joy, love, embodied in our everyday, ordinary lives. The big idea for this morning is simply this. God loves to use ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. 
God loves to use ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary person, people or his purposes. Just punch your neighbor and say, aren't you glad you're ordinary? You see, the beauty of this is simple. Sometimes we aspire to be extraordinary but when we look at what it looks like or what it takes to be extraordinary, we, we can easily exclude ourselves believing that we'll never get there or that we'll never arrive. And the good news is God's never looking for extraordinary people. He's looking for people who will say yes to him so that he can use ordinary people in extraordinary ways. Today I want to talk to you about how it's possible for ordinary people be used in extraordinary ways by pulling some ideas that I find in this text that Paul so clearly makes known to us. So if you have your listening sheet, maybe you want to grab it, maybe you've already grabbed it. If you have your listening sheet, you might want to grab it. And uh, the, the first way that we begin to understand how ordinary people are used for extraordinary purposes is we understand this, that ordinary people have to be filled up and poured out to be used in extraordinary ways. We have to be filled up and poured out. Uh, I just go back to uh, verse 7. We now have this light, this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. This is the beauty. The beauty that Paul has learned to live from and in and through is simply this. God fills him up and with joy and delight pours him out for his purposes. God fills him up and pours him out for his purposes. C.K. Barrett, in his work on this passage, says this. He says, Paul's main concern is to emphasize not the fragility of the clay pots, the earthen vessels. His, his, his emphasis isn't to say how weak we are, but rather the contrast between the infinitely precious treasure of the gospel and the human bearers of it. You love it? See, we're just clay pots, but what, what is in us is of great and infinite, wonderful blessing and measure. You see, the contents of who we are is greater than the container in which they're held. God loves using fragile, broken clay pots to fill up so that he can pour out. We are those who are designed to be filled up and poured out again and again and again and again. Paul highlights for us this fact, this truth. The light that shines in our hearts is simply this. The light that shines in our hearts is the light of Jesus transforming love. We are being filled with His love. Now that's good news. We're being filled with His good love. And as we are filled 
the purposes of God are designed in such a way that we're never be being filled for the purpose of being filled, but for the purpose of being filled and poured out. So as love flows to us, God's design for us is that love will flow through us and be poured out into others' lives in a meaningful life giving way. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think about God's love being poured into you. I regularly think, oh, if I could just get a little bit more, I could give it away. Oh, if, if I could just have a little bit more, then I could give it away. You know what I've learned over the years is it never works that way. It never works that way. I, I, I just have to give it away as it comes to me. And the beauty that I've discovered is that I can never give it all away because the love of God keeps coming to me, and the more I give away, the more I get. That's true. The more I give away, the more I get to give away. I love the idea that Paul introduces us to, and this is my favorite passage or one of my favorite passages in the text. I'm going to take you back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You say, well, how does this filling up and pouring out look like? I mean, what does it look like in an everyday, ordinary life? I mean, you can think of grandiose ideas of what it looks like to be filled up and poured out on big stages, in bright lights, you know, in fantastic ways. But here's, here's an everyday, ordinary application of what it looks like to be filled up with God's love and to be poured out with God's love to others. And Paul introduces this to this idea in chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, and I'm just going to read it for you. Just listen to this. This is so beautiful. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Listen. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Now just drink that in. The Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, comes to us and comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others in their troubles. Isn't that beautiful? We're comforted in our trouble so we can be comforting to others in their trouble. That just breaks open all kinds of possibilities for my everyday, ordinary life to be used for the purposes of God. I don't have to be a great Bible scholar. I don't have to be witty and smart. I don't have to be anything other than myself. And the thing that I'm called to do is simply this. I'm called to give to others the very thing that I have been given. Let me, let me finish verse 5. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds in Christ. You see, I don't know where you are today. 
But I know this, wherever you are, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort desires to meet you as you are, where you are, with his comfort so that you can become a beacon of his great light to comfort others in their time of need. So let me ask you three questions. Three questions. Where is it that God has met you? Where, where, where has God met you? Just like 15 seconds. The place where God has come to you with comfort, his compassion. Where is that? Where is that? In loss and triumph and tragedy, in hopelessness and doubt, where, where is it that God has met you? Let me ask you the second question. Where is it that God is meeting you now? Where is it that God's meeting you now? I, you, you guys are a good-looking crowd. I, really, I, if I took a picture, we could post it, and everybody would say, Ooh, look at those good-looking people. It would be great. You know, social media would blow up. They'd be happy to see you. But where is God meeting you now, right? Where, where's God meeting you now? Because there are things that are deep within us that need the precious presence of Christ's light of love to fill us and meet us. Where's he meeting you now? Where has he met you? Where is he meeting you? ordinary people to be used for God's extraordinary purposes, we have to ask the third question. And it's simply this. Am I willing to share this good news, the place where God has met me or the place where God is meeting me with someone else? If I'm going to be an ordinary person used for God's extraordinary purposes, I have to ask, where and when will I share with someone else the place that God has met me, the place that God is meeting me? So you don't have to make anything up. You just have to be honest and true and witnesses that are filled with faith and doubt simultaneously. Faith and doubt simultaneously. I love this quote that uh, I found from Timothy Keller one of my favorite authors. Think about this for just a second. Dr. Keller says, being public about your faith simply means not hiding the wellspring of your life. Not hiding the wellspring of your life. This light shining in us through the powerful Father through the Spirit and by His Son, this life light that shines through us. Being public about your faith simply means not hiding the wellspring of your, of your life, not hiding who you truly are. Ever been afraid that somebody would see you as you truly are? Don't be. Don't be. Don't be. Let the wellspring of God's life light shine in and through you. 
Moving beyond Christmas and being ordinary people used for extraordinary God's purposes require that we are those who anticipate being filled up and poured out with God's great love. We talk about this love. There's a couple of things that this love does for us. And Paul just jumps right into it. And he says, this love makes us ready for anything. Ready for anything. I belong to a Christian scouting group growing up. Uh, some of you might remember, if you had any history with the Assemblies of God, a Christian scouting group uh, produced by the denomination called uh, Royal Rangers. Royal Rangers. I, I can't remember most, any, most of what I learned. I, I, I find it here and there, but... One of, the, one of the statements in the motto of a ranger was, was simply this, ready, ready for anything. And, and as, a, as an eight-year-old boy, when I first memorized this, you had to, you, I just had to memorize every word. Ready, ready for anything. Ready to work, play, serve, obey, worship, live, etc. <laughs> you know, it was in there, etc. Ready, ready to... Ready for anything. Are you ready to add etc.? Are, are, are you ready to put etc. at the end? I mean, you've got all kinds of ways and places that you're already familiar with being ready and available for God's uses and purposes. Are you willing to add that one little addition, whatever else you want to put in my life? Whatever else you want to put in my life? Interestingly enough, I think that I and maybe we often fear the very thing that Paul highlights where God is at work in his life. And that simply, we didn't sign up for the hard times. We never signed up for trouble. And yet, in this passage of Scripture, Paul highlights that the lifelight, the love of God, has prepared him and made him ready for anything Verses 8 and 9, he says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. I, this is Alan's translation. I'm confused, but I haven't lost my mind. I'm confused, but I haven't lost my mind. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are never destroyed. See, being filled up and poured out, being filled up and poured out will put us in places that are challenging and difficult. This love will make us ready for anything. Because remember, the comforting, compassion God of all kindness and comfort is meeting us in every hardship, in every trial, with the comfort that He and He alone can bring for the purpose of allowing us to offer hope and peace and joy and love to fellow travelers along the way who are experiencing the same life dilemmas as we have and are. 
See, he makes us ready for anything. Have you ever thought about some of the challenges that we face from this perspective? God is readying me to be the good news to someone else who is in just exactly the same place as I am with his hope, his peace, his joy, and his love. I know, I know, we never signed up for that. We signed up for the good stuff. We signed up for the blessings. We signed up for the overflow. We signed up for God's favor to rest upon us. And it does, it does in the midst of trouble, trial, and tribulation for the purpose of making us those who shine brightly with his love, the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love of Christmas. That's what moves us beyond Christmas. The next thing that this life light does is that this life light, this love calls us to be committed to the king and his kingdom purposes. Committed to the king and his kingdom purposes. You're going to see a passage. I'm going to add some to it before we get to it. It's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to add a little bit in front of it. So, beginning with verse 15. Listen, as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The grace of God at work to reach more and more and more and more and more and more people is what we are called to be. We are called to be those who will pour out this lifelike love of God committed to God and his kingdom purposes so that more people can come to know the great love of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. You see, what happens is that as we're filled up and poured out, as we're readied for anything, we're, we're being transformed. We're being transformed and the more we experience the transforming love of Jesus, the greater the depth of our commitment to the king and his kingdom purposes becomes. What happens as we're filled up with God's love and God's love flows through us, readying us for any circumstances, is that this love begins to tune our hearts. This love begins to tune our hearts making us those who are receptive, receptive in greater measure to this love. Here's what receptivity looks like. Being ready and aware of God's activity happening all around us all the time. See, that's what love does. It awakens us and begins to tune our lives to be those who are receptive, ready, and aware of God's activity 
going on all around us all the time. You know, you don't have to do this anymore with digital radios, but there was a day when you'd get out in the middle of nowhere and XM Sirius radio was not available. And, and I remember driving down the road straining my ears amidst all the shh, 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 trying to tune in. Oh, I'm just straining to listen for some clear message, some clear note, just a voice or a tune, anything, so that I didn't have to listen to the, 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 the mess. You know, digital radios, either you get it or you don't. It, it goes, you know, from, from dot to dot, you know, just, just moves down the frequency. You either have it or you don't. In the old day, man, you just had to work so hard. Here's what happens. As we say yes to the infilling of God's love and it's poured out through us, making us ready for anything. You know what happens is we have a, a real good grasp of what it looks like to tune ourselves into the love of God. Oh, yes, let me be, the static of life will try to drown it out. But the love of God can be received in powerful ways if we'll just tune our hearts to be ready and available to receive God's active, present work already going on around us all the time. This is the work of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit does. The Spirit of God is always going before us, is walking beside us, is following behind us, is within us, above us, beneath us. The Spirit of God is actively engaged in tuning men's and women's hearts to the love of the Father made known to us through His Son. So, Alan, I don't know that my heart's so fine-tuned as that. Let me give you a couple of suggestions as to how it's possible, how it's possible that we can tune our hearts to be ready and receptive to the work of God that's going on all around us. When I first came into the vineyard, John Wimber used to frustrate the daylights out of me. John had this phrase. He would say, just see what God's doing and do it with him. And I'd be like, I want to see, but I can't see. And then he'd be preaching or something. He'd say, oh, look, the Father. And he'd start talking about what God was doing. And I'd be like, what's he seeing that I don't see? You know, sometimes I'm still very perplexed by that. But then every now and again, I get tuned in, and I want to talk to you about a couple of ways that I can get tuned in that I think will help you. This is what it looks like to see the Father's work all going on all around us. Eyes that are looking to see what the Father is doing are eyes that can see a need and wonder if you're not the person who should fill the need simple as that. To see what the Father's doing simply is having eyes to see a need that's going on around you and being available to be the solution to the need as it exists. 
Now, as I say that, as many people in this room, there are as many ideas of needs to be filled as there are people in the room and more because each of us can think of something that could be done. And perhaps the question is, God, are you making me aware of this so that I can be a resource to meet the need of the person that's in need? Find a need and fill it. Don't think about what you can't do. Do what you can do. Find a need and fill it. I'm going to suggest that if you find a need and fill it, you are in fact working hand in hand with the Father who is already at work. Perhaps the Father has already quickened you to see the need. And for the purpose of quickening you, Seeing the need is you have something that is needed and you can just give away what you've already got. Not something extra special, just what you've already got. The second thing that perhaps is this, not just finding a need and filling it, finding a hurt and healing it. Finding a hurt and healing it. Just being aware, just being aware and present, available to the people you and I come in contact with, which takes us all the way back to what it looks like to be filled up and poured out. God meets us in our in our struggles, in our trials, and comforts us so that we can come alongside and comfort others with the very comfort we ourselves have received. And here's how this works. It works, it works, it works, it works, it works, it works, it works. If you'll just simply give away what God has given you, hope, peace, joy, and or love, to someone who is in need, someone who is hurting, they will be regularly glad recipients of the gift you've given. And when we do that, we become people who are discovering what God is doing and doing it with Him. You see, hearts that are willing to join the Father in His work are hearts that join Him to discover those who are captive and bound set free and that those who are wounded find healing. You and I, friends, are in fact ordinary people designed to be used for God's extraordinary purposes. Filled up, poured out, ready for anything, committed to the king and his kingdom purposes in our everyday, ordinary life. The story and the beauty of Christmas is simply this. God's victory is at hand. His victory is at hand because his strategy was and always will be Jesus. Jesus 
is the inbreaking of the kingdom of God at Christmas and beyond. And he's inviting you to join him in a wonderful life journey of giving away what you have been given. Now, if you haven't grabbed your listening sheet, I want, to, I want you to grab it because there's some homework for you to do. Homework. Homework. All right? Homework. I'm just going to read through it really quickly. We're going to, we're going to close. But, but sometime today, tomorrow, this week, uh, as, as you launch into this new year, <clears throat> I just want to encourage you, on a, on a sheet of paper, just grab, grab a journal, grab a sheet of paper, and uh, write down any place, any place in your life you'd like to see Jesus break through this year. Any place in your life you'd like to see Jesus break through. Just, just list them. Don't, don't worry about it. Just list them. If it's, if it's few or many, it doesn't really matter. Just list the places where you want to see and experience God's inbreaking in your life. And then over the next uh, days and weeks, reflect on the things that you've written and begin to form them, transform them into prayers. Here, here's how I like to pray those things. I like to pray those things by praying this prayer. God caused me to be. Simply, I'm not there yet, but if you will work in me, cause me to be. Cause me to be soft-hearted. Cause me to be kind. Cause me to be eyes wide open, seeing where you're working. Cause me to be slowed and available. Cause me to not be in such a hurry. Cause me prayers. God, cause me to be, recognizing that he has the capacity to do this. And then over the next uh, weeks, revisit this list to identify the places where you're experiencing the transformation by the Spirit. And then don't forget this one, because this puts it all under practice. Then share with someone else the good news and the places where God is meeting you to encourage them. You know, if we do that, we're preparing ourselves to move far beyond Christmas by being everyday, ordinary people experiencing the extraordinary work of God being made known through us. It can be done, and we can do it, and as we do, as we do, God's grace will reach more and more and more and more people, and there will be great thanksgiving here and great thanksgiving that spreads far and wide to the glory of God and his son.